Hey, Murph here. I'm a former heroin addict, current alcoholic, and you're tuned in to Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests. And today I am pumped, speaking of special guests. We got today on the program, she's a writer, director, an Emmy and Peabody award-winning producer. She's worked on Inside Amy Schumer, Broad City, Louie, directed a bunch of great comedy specials uh, for uh, Alan Cummings, uh, 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 Queer Extravaganza on Showtime, Alana Glazer's uh, stand-up special, Amy Schumer, uh, all the greats. She's a a dynamite producer. She's been working uh, closely with me here on Murph Meyer Self-Medicated, so full disclosure, as they say, you know, I don't know, this, uh, this segment brought to you by Pfizer. I got to mention this or that. I got to mention that I've been working with her for, for years on, on self-medicated, and she's an incredibly talented, wonderful producer. Please welcome to the program, Ryan Cunningham. Yes, yes. Hello. Thank you, Merv. <laughs> I felt I had to do the, like, disclose. I had to disclose that we, that we have worked yes, together. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. Um, what, what's, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, what's going on in the world of, of, uh, of drugs and whatnot, I, I cut, I cut you off as we were talking off mic to, to make sure that we, we speak on mic. So if we could, we could dive into that, if whatever you were planning on saying off mic. It's now where we are rolling. Oh, I was just going to say, so I just directed this feature film and um, we were uh, staying in Toledo, Ohio. And um, one night, uh, one of my roommates, Lucas, uh, was like, I just heard about this thing and I think we should watch it. And it was called Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Do you know what this is? Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. I, I think I've, this is an 80s jam, yes? It was It was made in 1990. 90. By the government. Um, and it was uh, uh, hosted by George and Laura Bush. I mean, sorry, not George and Laura, George and Barbara Bush. George and Barbara. And George and Barbara. And um, uh, it featured... All of these different cartoon all stars, but it, honestly, the biggest thing that I felt while watching it was I was just like, "How did they get all of these? How did they get the IP for all of these?" Um, right. So you're talking, but yeah, it was like it was a like Sunday Bugs morning. Bunny. Yeah. No, more than that. It's um, it's okay. We've got Alf. We've got Winnie the Pooh. We've got uh, Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny. We've okay. got Alvin and the Chipmunks. We have um, uh, DuckTales. We uh-huh. have the Smurfs. We have Muppet Babies. And we have Garfield. Only um, George. And it, and-, says, <laughs> and it says drugs don't stand a chance against these guys. Only can George um, and Barbara is, ha- brings the IP together on that level. Because you're talking crossovers from Disney to Warner Brothers, to exactly. Alf, whoever the hell owns Alf. <laughs> exactly. An animated Alf. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. O- only can the Bushes do that in a just say no, for a just say no affair. 
Yes. So it says, uh, can I, can I write you the, can I read the description? Yes, on please. Um, many different cartoon stars like Bugs Bunny, the Muppet Babies and Garfield join forces to convince Michael, a teenage boy that drugs aren't cool. His sister, Corey is worried about him because he's started acting differently than he used to. Many of her cartoon tie in, uh, toys come to life to help find her stolen piggy bank, ending up in the boys' room finding Michael's stash of drugs, and also finding out that Michael was the one who stole Corey's money to buy marijuana. The various cartoon characters then proceed to band together and take Michael on a fantasy journey to teach him the risks of a life of drug that a life of drug use can bring. Oh boy, this is a wild grouping. I don't even know how they like. Like this is like more could be more contentious than like the uh, the Avengers like these these different properties coming together. Like I don't even know if they agree on on yes. on, on how to approach this situation. Uh, so he's stealing for weed. You know, I feel like that's a classic one where I'm like, I feel like Michael is going to steal for. He's going through a phase where he might steal for anything. You know, like you could blame the yeah. drugs, but like if you're stealing for weed, he probably would steal for like to just go, you know, to buy a bunch of candy or something. You know, like he yeah. feels like he's at that phase of life. Um, Oh, also the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I forgot to mention. Them. And the Ninja Turtles. Good yes. Lord. Yeah, that's a, that's, I mean, that's a just say no all-star affair. I'm going to have to look this up. I feel like I might have seen. It's like, half an hour. It was produced by the government. It's like, it's basically like a half hour PSA. Yeah. Which um, is. And it is wild. <laughs> so you get like free airtime on that. Because the PSAs too, it's like whenever they came calling for those, it was like, you didn't have to pay for airtime. I mean, they probably ran regular commercials during the during it as well. So they're, you know, double yeah. dipping all yeah. over town uh, and yeah. they didn't have to pay. Yeah, I'm sure everyone was like, fine, you can use all these all these uh, different uh, properties will come together to save this little Michael boy. Um, yes. Yeah, I got to watch that. I mean, if Alf's in there, he's kind of a misanthrope. I feel like Alf would be breaking balls throughout this thing. Did yeah, you, see you it? would think. I think he's. Yeah, we watched it when we were in Toledo oh, yes. one night. We 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 got one night in Toledo. It. Not quite one night in Bangkok, but <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Um, it was you know after like a long shoot day, and we kind of needed to like unwind, and uh, we watched a lot of really stupid things. Um, we also watched She's the Man, which is you know, ooh, uh, pretty spectacular. Yeah, that's a spectacular. Um, yeah, and I think we watched like Zoolander and. Oh, so this was a nice fun. This sounds like a stone. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but it sounds like a stoner night of of, of television, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those were across like uh, a few nights, but yeah, it was mostly like we had long days of shooting and we needed to unwind, and we were like, "What's the dumbest thing that we can watch?" So, <laughs> well, um, cartoon all stars yeah. is pretty pretty goddamn close. I dare I dare anyone to find something dumber than that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And oh my God, just the George and Barbara Bush intro as well. It, it, <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's really, really special. Um, well, they were so relatable as a couple, you know, to the youth of America. I feel like they, yes, they connected yes, exactly. on a level where they're like, what are their little, their little radioactive turtles and whatnot? Let's, yeah. They're such a relatable yeah. couple. They were like a thousand yes. years old when they were in office. And yet yes, we still they saw are them like, so old. <laughs> yeah, like they were just ancient. They were always ancient. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very, uh, that's, I, I'm going to have to pull that one up for sure. I found a Captain Planet one I, I recently watched uh, with, uh, I had uh, Jerry Cole on the program. We watched uh, the Captain Planet special 
like half hour episode drugs, you know, drug episode or whatever. And I'm like, they really got their tentacles out there in the in the in the 80s and early 90s. Oh, yeah. I mean, watching it, it it was such a flashback to my childhood. There was so much anti drug. Yeah. Stuff. There's really no equivalent. I mean, you know, you 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 have a kid. I don't know. and, and, And she's certainly older than. My kid's not even really watching much uh, these days yet, but like, I don't know if there's any equivalent out there either. Like, certainly not. At least that's as heavy handed today. No, certainly yet. not. Yeah. yeah, certainly not. No, shit seems actually decent uh, that I've watched with my younger cousins and stuff. Some of the movies. I mean, they're, yeah, they're I mean, there's maybe some like anti opioid stuff out there, but that's yeah. that's pretty much the only thing I've seen. There's certainly no. <laughs> You're not going to get the Pokemon marijuana. <laughs> You're certainly no anti marijuana. Um, propaganda the way that there was yeah it's it's fun to dive into the time capsule um and uh, uh i wanted to uh, to also let the listeners know as far as we're diving into these segments here this episode ryan you're also from pennsylvania so that's something we kind yes. of when we first met that we bonded over both being from mm-hmm. uh from pa uh rust belt parts of pennsylvania so uh you know how, how is how is your uh, you know your area your neck of the woods there in pa when kind of when you grew up i feel like the whole state has been getting its ass kicked pretty you know, including, you know, Philly and, and Pittsburgh as well. But like, I feel like the whole state is kind of, uh, I think we're up to like 15 a day is something like uh, what uh, overdoses in, in the state of Pennsylvania is, I believe. Well, I mean, oh it's a big God, state, really? but still a lot of people. It dying is a big day. state, but still, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say I, I'm not actually super up on, you know, what the overdose rate is if in the parts of Pennsylvania yeah. that I'm from. Um but yeah, I am originally from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, um, in Lehigh County, yeah. and um, which is you know just south of Luzerne. Yep. Uh, by I think maybe like Carbon County's in between us, but and that's where my a lot of my family was from. Um, the and, giant uh, coal hole that is Carbon County. Yes. Yes. Just one lump and, of well, coal and, separates the two of us of two of our counties. Yeah, and Bethlehem, you know, was a steel town. Yes, Bethlehem yes. Steel, where my whole family worked for Bethlehem Steel, and, um, uh, yeah, and that all just went away throughout my childhood and disappeared and uh, kind of dried up. And um, you know, I mean, there's a lot. Bethlehem has more things going for it, but and then I went to um, high school in Central Pennsylvania, outside of Harrisburg, um, in in. Uh, Cumberland County. Cumberland, yeah. And um yeah. Yeah, so you got some PA roots. Uh you know, as as the listeners know, I'm I've got PA roots, Luzerne County. <clears throat> pardon me. Luzerne County lived in Philly for many years before I moved to New York. Uh and I like to often, you know, uh, w- when I did the first season of the podcast, uh I I I went back to Pennsylvania, lived there for a year in Luzerne County, a couple of blocks from where uh, from where I was uh, where I was born. And, uh, you know, I, I so I touched base with some people when I was when I was there. And, you know, the local the local media was really something. Uh, but we're going to start things off in the present here. We'll we'll, we'll get to, to my uh, my little uh, tango with the local media a little bit later. But we're going to kick things off here with the substance report. This is the question. Do junkies lives matter? Now, whether we're talking about <laughs> whether we're talking about the local news or, or the national news. Uh, you know, the mainstream media's narrative on substance use has been trash as far as I can remember. So what I like to do here is is take some top drug related stories in the news and give them proper coverage uh, like they deserve. Uh, and so this week, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're going to Luzerne County here uh, because I saw this one. My mother actually reached out to me as well. 
Uh, God bless her. She was somehow excited about it. She didn't know whether she should be excited about this, not excited. She's like, they're doing a thing, I heard. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's not a good thing. Uh, but uh, this year, as Luzerne County becomes the 20th county to join the Office of Attorney General's Treatment Initiative. So there's this thing called LETI, which is a Law Enforcement Treatment Initiative, which, though you know, you're just jamming words together that just don't quite belong, I don't think. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. law enforcement's not much of a... For treatment. Uh, but what they're doing here is they're kind of doing the thing where they're like, hey, we can't arrest our way out of this. Uh, this was st- started, I believe, uh, Josh Shapiro. So he's governor now of Pennsylvania. But when he was the attorney general, uh, there's there's a little mix here of some of the drug court stuff because they took some of the money. I think PA is getting like something like two billion dollars from the opioid settlements or whatever. Uh, so, of course, where you'd be like, oh, man, that'd be really nice. And Philly's doing some great stuff with with their with their cut of that in terms of harm reduction and, and, you know, fentanyl testing strips and Narcan and whatnot. And even just like grants, they're giving out grants to, to local harm reduction outfits there in Philly. But in other parts of the state, they're, they're, they're right on this drug court train. They're very hard on it. So, so the Letty program is similar to stuff they've done in other states. It's like the Blue Angel program, I believe one of them was called. But it says uh, uh, that uh, PA Letty is a law enforcement-led treatment initiative that allow Pennsylvanians in Luzerne County seeking treatment for substance use disorder to use their local law enforcement uh, to contact the Luzerne, Wyoming Drug and Alcohol Single County Authority without the threat of arrest. Now, I mean, just to begin with, I'm like, I'll always see, I'll at least try to see things here. I think law enforcement, at least the cops that I've talked to, don't like having anything to do with this, like this intimately. There are, you know, whether they're pissed off about it and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm sick of reviving these junkies with Narcan. The next weekend, I'll see him again, whatever it is. Or if they're even trying, you know, they feel like I want to help people, but this is out of my jo- job. You know, this is not really what we do. Uh, this seems like even weirder because now I'm like, they're running interference for, it's like, if you're looking for treatment, you're looking for, you know, there's a number to call. It's like, it's a weird, there's this weird thing where you're just supposed to walk into a police station is how they're framing it. Um, I'll show you this video really quick. That does a much better job at explaining how poor this is than I've been doing. Uh, this is, this is from my, uh, my local news outfit explaining what the, uh, how the Letty program has been rolled out here in PA. For many people, addiction can lead to arrest and jail time, but an initiative in the Commonwealth launched in 2018 is helping those struggling and looking to break the cycle of addiction. It does so by reaching out to an unlikely source, law enforcement. It's called the Law Enforcement Treatment Initiative, or LETI. A growing number of Pennsylvania counties participate in it. The goal? To help those struggling with addiction get help by taking an unusual path going to police. The Letty program is something we've needed for a long time because uh, we need to break down the barriers between law enforcement, criminal justice and treatment. Wyoming County is the latest county in the Commonwealth to join Letty, which empowers law enforcement officers to guide individuals into treatment without the threat of arrest. They'll have the opportunity to come forward without repercussions and get the help that they need. You can't arrest your way out of the situation. The program was started by State Attorney General Josh Shapiro with the help of police, sheriffs, probation, and parole officers. Who would ever have thought, I didn't when I became a police officer and later became a chief, that a person could come into a police station and rather than be arrested for their drug use, say, I need help. And importantly, the police officer, that woman or man, would take them and deliver them to treatment. Anyone seeking treatment in counties participating in the Letty program can go to their local police station where officers will connect them with a local treatment partner 
to help them on the path to recovery. And what it does is gives the opportunity, instead of making a forceful arrest and going through with the harsh penalties behind it, you actually have the chance to assist someone who is looking for help in getting off of substance abuse. The AG's office and agencies involved in the Letty program believe using treatment as a weapon to fight addiction is vital. It doesn't condone bad decisions or drug use because drug use can kill you, but it's a way to give people a second chance so that they're not labeled their whole life, there's no stigma, and they can go on and be a productive citizen. Okay, so there's a lot there. There's a lot. Uh, so much to unpack. Um, yeah. I mean, what using treatment as a weapon to... is funny language yeah. just to begin with. Because tre- you think, when yeah. I think of medicine and, you know, treatment and, and, and public health, I think of weapons is, is where I think. But go on. What were you going to say? So wait. So it's like if you're using drugs, you can walk into a police station and they'll drop you off at a rehab right. facility? Or like what? Yeah. I So... You know, Can't now you my just understanding go to of, a rehab facility? <laughs> sure, sure. You would think there's a there's an unnecessary middleman. So they're like, yeah, for a long time, it's like it's been stigmatized. It's been treatment. It's like it'd be like, yeah, if if you had to like dodge the and duck the cops, like every time you went to the grocery store, you'd be like, you know, so as cops, like we're just going to give people rides. To the, we're going to we're going to leave the actual grocery store because we know like we're just arresting people and, and creating a lot of a lot of problems for people when they go to the grocery store. So it's like, we're going to take our officers out of the aisles, but they're going to drive. But, but when you want to go to the grocery store, you got to let them know, of course, because they still need to be involved in some way. Uh, they're still not justifying <laughs> like how or why, if they're literally just like, like it, who, who thinks like, Oh, I need help with my substance problem. I'm going to go to the police station. Like, and, and it's cool. Cause they won't arrest. They've said they won't arrest me. Uh, but they'll point yeah, you in the that, direction that, of treatment. And that you can totally trust. Yeah, of course. You know, without any shakedowns. Without any shakedown, yeah. Also, can we talk about the really, really weird um, black and white stock footage that they had <laughs> yes. in there? Um, <laughs> you got to love that lo- local news B-roll. Yeah, there was some strange, yeah. strange happenings. In Super there. archival. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it went back. It was like black and white. There was like yeah. just wind blowing in people's hair. It was different speeds. There were overlays with like slow motion, but then there was shit that was yeah. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. Um. Why not remove them all? Here's the question: Is the Letty program, uh, which is just a bad, you know, it's funny how they're struggling. Why do the that. cops even need to be involved? Why? Why would they need to? Why would they need? If you're going to expand treatment, if the idea is oh people are struggling because there's not enough beds, which is also another just. I mean, the cops aren't going to be, well, you know, well, since you're here, you could spend the night here in jail. You know what? Since you're here, I mean, it won't be jail. Jail, it'll be treatment. But, you know, we're yeah. here to help. Uh, so you might as well just let, you know, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put you in a cell for the night because there's no beds. But I guess that's the thing. It's like, we're here well, to help. We can. Yeah, we're here we to can, help. The resources. We can give you Narcan. Instead, yes. Well, Narcan ourselves. If you've been anywhere near fentanyl in the last two weeks, you know, we'll end up probably getting it somehow, uh, catching fentanyl, and we'll have to Narcan ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's like a weird thing here where, it, yeah, it just doesn't instead of using those resources towards more beds so that there are actually more beds accessible, more, more, more uh, uh, medication assisted treatment programs, all that stuff. Rather than that, it's like they're still holding on to this this middleman here. And it's it's touted as like some new which I know that I mentioned the Blue Angel program, but only because I there's plenty of nightmare stories, as you would expect from people who 
either just it's not that they voluntarily went there, but it's at any time you just get, you know, busted for something. There's that idea where it's like, oh, we want to get you to treatment, but we want to, you know, we'll talk to you. Or if you overdose, they show up at the scene or you're at the ER or wherever you end up. The first people you see when you get up is is sometimes, you know, cops. And they're just like, well, you know, we're not going to arrest you immediately, but we have a lot of questions for you. There's a fentanyl ring that's going around. We want to get. So they're pulling you to get involved in like more shit. It, you know, it's just there's just no reason for them to be at that at that critical stage where you're like maybe thinking about that you do want. Like it's all coerced treatment. It's all like drug court stuff. And he says we don't want to stigmatize it. Second chances are important. Third chances you can go straight to hell. Like if you fuck this yeah. up once, like you, you fail a drug test and, and we don't you know, you're done is kind of how drug court works. It's like you got to be like sober right now. Uh, and that includes like no methadone, no buprenorphine. Like in some cases, some drug courts have been more lenient with that, depending on where you are in the country. But there's a lot of them that are not. Judges are just kind of like, nope, you got to be there's no opioids in the piss at all or else you're gone. You're, you know, you're going away. So it's like it's just this very strange, like, you know. Uh, gap that we'll all probably look back on hopefully uh, you know when the kids are grown we'll look back and be like this was a weird stage where they were still like talking about cops being involved in public health like I don't know what where this weird interim phase between like just straight up you know hardcore drug war drug warriors kind of thing uh, to this weird like we're here to help and you're like but 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 there's other people that if we had more of those people we could and you're like no 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 it all must go through us Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like there's not advertisements everywhere you look in Pennsylvania for treatment help. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, mean, you and I did, you know, a trip out there Mm -hmm. um, before COVID, uh, you know, to kind of film some things and uh, do some sort of preliminary development stuff for Murph Meyer is self-medicated. And, um, you know, I mean, how many billboards did we see? We kept filming them. Yeah. yeah more and than used car everywhere. dealerships. Yeah. More than like injury uh, lawyers, like, uh, you know, class action lawsuit lawyer billboard. Like they were, I would say they were a far and away. They're right up there with, yeah, with, with, with like fast food billboards. Um, so it's th- not, it's not up there. Like it's, it's not like the information's not out there and not no. available to people. And I just, I feel like a police station is just the last place any drug user is going to want to go, yep. you know? Yeah. It, it, it makes no, yeah. no one would voluntarily do that. So then you just start asking yourself, well, what is this really, what is this program really? Cause it's not just the cops sitting around waiting for people to come in. Like if they're already funneling more money gotta, into the police force. Yes, exactly. So th- yeah. there's, that's exactly what it is. There's, there's, there's more money diverted through there and to get any sort of funding, for like, you just have to like for Shapiro and stuff in some of these counties, it's like, oh, well, well, well <clears throat> when this opioid money comes through, we, we still have to like placate law enforcement. We still have to have them involved, whatever the hell his personal thoughts are. And I don't even know. But as far as like trying to get some like, well, medication treatment is a thing. And this the, these are interventions that public health interventions that would work. It's like even that you still have to then be like, but everything is like when you need a ride, you know, if you, if you need a lift, like, you know who to call. It's like, no, <laughs> no. No, it's not. That's Mm-mm. not. That just Mm-mm. adds another whole element. That's and then talking about it to be like destigmatize. You're like they're just throwing out buzzwords like this. D, this is a D.A. Of, of Wyoming County just talking about. He's like, when I was coming up, I was a cop at first and I was a chief of police. Now I'm the D.A. So now I'm the top cop. So like I've 
All I've been doing is putting people in jail my whole life. So I never even thought. I mean, you tell me if I went in a time machine and told my young self that these junkies were going to like get a second chance in some way or that the cop, they'd not get arrested. They'd be forced to go to treatment. Like I would have been like, no way. And I'm like, well, that's a great mentality from the person who's also running these programs. It's like they can't even believe it's happening. I'm like, who is this for? Like they don't want it. We don't want it. It's like it just seems like another bizarre middle like two step thing. Yeah, I just feel like there's so much more need in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, rather than boosting up the cops. Yeah. And one I, of the I honestly have been just kind of really hoping that Pennsylvania legalizes uh marijuana for recreational use because I feel like if there's anything that is going to revive the economy that has been destroyed by the steel and coal industries going away, which has just decimated so much of the economy of Pennsylvania, you know, <laughs> Pennsylvania is like Philly and Pittsburgh and a whole lot of farmland in between. Yeah. You know? And, and what's funny know, is imagine yeah. <sighs> There yeah. still is like a huge like there's still uh, in terms of uh, support for legalization. It's still like very, very high in PA, regardless. You know, you can go to most pockets of Pennsylvania. You don't really have too many people digging their heels in on on the because the, the, it's already, you know, they got the medicinal and whatever. So I'm like, yeah, the, the recreational use, you're not even going to get any pushback on that. So it is very strange that, that we're yeah. as we're seeing like New York, New Jersey, we're just Pennsylvania still just sitting in the middle here, which is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that. that yeah. For, for uh, money's coming in, which is a huge thing in, here in, in Oregon, when they did measure 110, a big thing was like, uh, you know, a lot of that money coming in from there is supposed to go to treatment. So a lot of the legalization for, for cannabis and stuff, all the dispensaries and whatever have like basically just a tax or whatever. And like this is going directly towards, you know, uh, resources, harm reduction resources and, and funding and beds and housing and, and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, it seems like the model is there, and PA is a huge state, so it's like there, there's plenty of need for it, but it's just this slow roll, man. It's this, it's this, just this very strange in between. So we have to watch. Yeah, my mom just saw this, and she was like, "They were celebrating something," was how she phrased it to me. I'm like, "I'm sure they were." Looks, yeah, it looks celebratory yeah. in, in some. People, More money into the the police department. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and treating it like some sort of new, you know, groundbreaking thing. So. Well, Ryan, we're going to stay uh, in in the local news uh, arena because I have, a, you know, I have a little bit of a bone to pick uh, as we get into the fog of, of drug war here. War. It's fantastic. So we're not getting away from from the local news in, in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, because when I was there uh, living there and doing the uh, first season of the podcast, I did some interviews. I did I did the, the press junket around uh, Luzerne County, which is like the Citizens Voice mm-hmm. newspaper and uh, this uh, um, WBREs, the local NBC affiliate. Uh, and, I, and I spoke to them. Uh, and, you know, there was there was two separate interviews uh, and, and the first one they didn't even record. Um, so that was the level that we were at there. So we had to do a second one. And a lot of the stuff that was like, you know, it's like trying to explain harm reduction. I don't even, I'm not sitting here saying I did an amazing job, but uh, the stuff that I was, that, uh, that I took out of context stuff, they completely said that I did not say. So I had to battle with them in the first place for in print to be like, well, you got to have to remove some of this shit. Cause this, I just didn't say this. Like, this is not, this isn't even like a, a out of context. This is just something, this is misquote. I didn't say this at all. Uh, and so uh, they also, I also did a, a, an on camera. So they did for the, for the uh, six o'clock news there. And I got a lot of calls from, you know, f- uh, family and friends and people around town 
who saw on the six o'clock news, he said, oh, so I see this thing. So harm reduction, you know, substituting one drug for another. That makes sense. And I'm like, no, it's not at all what it is. But let's uh, let's look at the, at the piece they put together here from my interview and uh, a little bit of pushback from the local uh, treatment community here. Uh, so this is this is this is a, a, a piece they did uh, for, uh, for me at, at WBRE. Last year has been very difficult because of the pandemic, and a lot of people are coping with dealing with addiction. WBRE, WIOU, Eyewitness News reporter Kevin Hayes talks with a local comedian about his take on something called harm reduction and an addiction expert on what risks it poses. Hey, I'm Murph. I'm a former heroin addict and current alcoholic, and you're listening to Self-Medicated. Murph Meyer has been in the comedy business for 10 years and the addiction business for almost 30. Alcohol, Adderall, Mescaline, Clonopin, Heroin, Ritalin, Ambien, Vicodin. With a track record that's even longer, he now hosts a podcast. Now, I want to be clear here, I'm not glorifying any of those drugs. Wait, Talking about... Sorry, just for the B-roll um, that, that we love so much. Uh, mm -hmm. th there, was, there was people on laptops because they were scrolling through my website, through things online, and they're like, you know what, we better give some context or we better show some B-roll of some young <laughs> kids sitting at their laptops at like a... Fucking in, in like a, you know, at a, in a college dorm uh, hall or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about his experience to help others. Meyer's message centers around destigmatizing harm reduction, where you manage one addiction with another. I had been practicing harm reduction for, for years without even really knowing what it was. That was just kind of my thing. I was like, all right, heroin's, you know, got me in a bad spot. So now he uses legal substances, among them alcohol. Thankfully, at least I've never really had it go off the rails with booze as much. It's, it's enough to keep the train on the tracks. And like I said, I'm always trying to manage my uh, my substance use. It's a practice not fully embraced by all. Stephanie Walnick with Wyoming Valley Alcohol and Drug Services sees the risk. While they are not putting a needle in their arms and, and putting themselves at risk, for HIV and Hep C and all those kinds of things, um, they are putting themselves at risk in other ways. But she knows there's a payoff if someone struggling also has a thorough support system and topics like these are talked about more. You can't predict what harm reduction will do for each person that tries it. He's absolutely right. We, we do need to begin more conversations about Meyer says through experience and a bit of research, he believes things like drug court and punitive action has not worked. He'd like to see more families and officials promote education about addiction and options beyond going cold turkey. Harm reduction can be that very slippery slope, especially if unchecked. But one thing both parties agree on is that the first step in being that support system is helping to break the stigma. They love they love this breaking the stigma. They love stigmatizing something and then just saying we got to break. We got to break the thing I've been doing here. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would like to break the stigma of how terrible their uh, B-roll choices are. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, there was there was one in particular where this it was like I could I could only describe as like uh, like there was a bunch of pill bottles on a table. And, and a little glass like a, of booze, what it looked like, a little a little uh, rocks glass. And it's just like a woman shuffling and throwing her her, her purse keys and stuff on the on the table and grabbing this booze, knocking all these pill bottles over and then rushing like out of frame. And I'm like, well, I don't know what this and then and then putting situation. it down next to a laptop where she's presumably going to look at the Murph Meyer is self-medicated so uh, <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. They got it. They brought it full circle. It's like these are the people. These are people on the edge who are listening to this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very it's a very funny. Also, Stephanie won't be like you just you know, there's no way to predict 
what will happen with harm reduction. I'm like, and would you say there's a way to predict what will happen with at Wyoming Valley Drug and Alcohol when, when you take yourself to the police station and they bring you to Wyoming Valley Drug and Alcohol? Like, is there a way to predict that? Because it's funny that you're like putting these things, which I, I ended up having, Stephanie. Uh, uh, respect for Stephanie for coming on my, my uh, show last year after this uh, interview. I kind of just reached out to her and I was like, hey, you want to continue the conversation? They took a lot of my shit out of context. I'm sure they did the same to you. Let's let's talk in person. And we had a nice like long. We had two different conversations. Uh, and it was, you know, that's great. It, yeah. No. And she's and she and listen, she's she comes from a place. She's been doing this work her whole life. It's it's uh, you know, she worked with. Uh, homeless for years and then she's she was working uh at a, at a clinic um uh, in allentown actually in pennsylvania uh and then she moved kind of up up the road here in the northeastern pa and she's she her heart is definitely in a good place I, I think it's like the company line of like oh we gotta have like this is somehow at odds with everything we do which it's not you know now in the framing that they gave me there it's like sure it's at odds like the idea of just like one addiction for another that's not quite as bad but also absolutely could be like, you know, you're also it's like, yeah. I'm like alcohol, you're letting alcohol, uh, you know, off the off the uh, just if you're generalizing addictions, I'm just like, Jesus. Yeah, there's there's plenty of to be said about that. But they really took uh, kind of boiled it down to just the most simplistic. And Kevin Hayes, I, it's funny, there was a shot of him in his car. That was where the first interview took place. So I guess he recorded himself somehow. Because there was B-roll, like or there was a little when he was talking over, it was a shot of him settling into the seat in his car. So I'm like, he did one interview with me where he was literally in his car. Uh, and it was, and, and I guess he was recording himself somehow, but not me. So then we had to do another interview. Uh, but what's funny is that the reason why I was so pissed about this is because round two, I got it very right. In the first one, there was a little meandering. But in the second one, I was like, oh, I just know I'm going to hit these talking points. Talked about the war on drugs. No mention of that, really. Other than a little bit of like, well, through through his own experience and a bit of research. And I'm like, well, I don't think it's also another way where I'm like, it's not a bit. You paint me as some guy like, well, he was on Reddit one night and he's got it all figured out. I'm like, no, no, it's <laughs> not a bit of research. It's evidence based, like yeah. decades of research from cross cultural. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is shit that works. It's not it's public health stuff. It's not it's not my fucking, you know, late night Googlings. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of that that was fun on this. So one day I hope to be able to talk to them again. Um, now, do you have any experience? What's your experience with like the media and stuff in terms of like this kind of thing? Do you do, have you ever done like an interview or something where you're just like, what the fuck was that? Because it's harder than people would think, too, because they really they steer. But then no matter how you want to hit your points, it's just like you're up to the whims of like B-roll. You're up to the whims of this wild B-roll and and cutting, you know, chopping yes. your words up. Yes. Um, you know, I haven't had like too many wild experiences with the news. Um I'm usually misidentified because they're uh, so confused that my name is Ryan. Um, (laughs) I was like on the local news when I was in high school and they identified this other guy that went to my high school as Ryan Cunningham and they just didn't bother to identify (laughs) me because they were just like, okay. (laughs) The, the local news, any, any sort of news, it's it's a tall. What I would like to do is more of a long form conversation. They have these like Sunday afternoon chats or whatever on on their net on mm-hmm. the on the uh, local station there. And I'd love more something more like that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like these these sound bites are always going to fuck you, no matter no matter which way you're trying to pull them. Uh, you're, you're at the whims of 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 these these goofy ass editors, uh, and they're wild. Yeah. People. So hopefully I can uh, I can reconnect with them. Uh, maybe I'll send them a clip of me trashing them here on the show and then hopefully be like, but I'm reaching out. I am reaching out. You did me dirty, yeah. but it's okay. 
you did harm reduction. I don't even give a shit about myself. Like I know I'm going to come across as as a, as a, as a lunatic no matter what. Uh, but I, I do. I at do least think they mentioned it. At they least did. It's it's getting into people's consciousness. You know. I was. Yeah, you're right. I was. I was. I was surprised that they. Uh, yeah, on the six o'clock news there locally that the words harm reduction were even said. Uh, whether it's a slippery slope labeled or whatever, it's, at least it's there and we're now having the conversation. So I would love to, to join mm-hmm. uh, Stephanie maybe even and, and others uh, locally um, to, to, you know, to, have, to further this conversation. Uh, so we'll keep everybody posted on that. We'll see how that, that response comes in. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll, if they'll take, uh, take me up on that or not. Um, but in terms of interviews, talk about like, <laughs> I just was framing this for you to see how you were about to be prepared for uh, an interview of, of your own, uh, which, you know, I never would dare to take anyone's words out of context uh, inside the user's studio. <laughs> Nothing but straight shooters here as we end our podcast session with the weekly dose version of the questionnaire. Yes. That was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside the actor's studio. And the first question is Ryan Cunningham. What is your favorite drug? Probably marijuana. Hmm, marijuana, classic. Yes. You hear that, Pennsylvania? Get your act together. <laughs> what is your least favorite drug? Um, I had a really bad experience with LSD when I was 18 um, that uh, made me never want to do hallucinogenics ever again. Yes. 18 is a very pivotal year. The doors of yeah. of uh, adulthood and perception opening. Yes. There's a lot there's a lot to take in there. I'm glad I'm glad you're still with us. A lot of times you take a turn at 18. <laughs> it's a critical juncture. Uh what age were you the first time you found yourself under the influence? Um I pretty late, like 17, 18. Um I mean, I guess that's not that late, but I feel like for Pennsylvania. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um yes. Uh, yeah, I uh, kind of really bought into the anti-drug thing that I was raised with, um, even though I had two parents that um, were not exactly not drug users. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, uh, not exactly yeah. not drug users. Not exactly not, yes, yes. <laughs> and I think found me a little ridiculous. Um, but it wasn't really until – I actually went to Pennsylvania's Governor's School for the Arts, which was an amazing experience, and it was an amazing program Ooh. that Pennsylvania used to have. And now um, they discontinued it because of funding, and now they're, you know – putting funding into more funding into the police force to take people to rehab. Um, yes. Instead of like actually helping uh, the students. But that experience that I had at governor's school um, uh, and I didn't do, I want to say I didn't do drugs at governor's school, um, but it really uh, widened my perception of the world and made me realize how many things I hadn't, seen or tried or experienced and uh kind of you know wanted to more and i think i'd be i sort of dabbled a tiny bit into that i say a tiny bit because i've never been like a massive massive drug user but sure 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 um, yeah yeah that's that's actually an uh, an incredible experience there at the, the governor's school i'd like to hear more about that another time <laughs> uh what celebrity's overdose death has had the most profound effect on you I remember really being affected by River Phoenix. 
Yes. Uh, when yes. I was a kid, I actually um, have a diary uh, from that time period. I think I was like 14 when it happened. And I oh remember my. being, uh, I remember writing in my diary about it. I, I, I just uh, remember it being incredibly, incredibly sad. Yes. A diary entry for a uh, post Viper room of our young river Phoenix. Post Viper it? room. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, yes. I was really affected by the movie running on empty that he did. Yes. It's one of my favorite movies. Incredible and, work. um, and it just, it felt like, it just felt like such a tragedy. Yes. Watched yeah. uh, My Own Private Idaho recently. Me and, uh, so fantastic. And I sat down and watched. What a, what a picture. Directed by a uh, RISD graduate. That's right. <laughs> As I am also a RISD graduate, I have to constantly point that out. Sorry. Yes, indeed. Of course, of course. Uh, you and Gus. What, uh, what is your favorite slang word for cannabis? Your favorite drug? What's your favorite slang word? I suppose it's pot. Mm. I always thought Mary Jane was kind of funny, but um, <laughs> yes, Mary Jane's a little more lyrical, a little more fantastical. Yeah, I, I like yeah. Mary Jane, but so. I but I literally never use it. So, I mean, no, it's yeah. it's tough. It's tough I, to say. It's tough to say and try to to have someone take you seriously. That's for sure. Yeah, I I tend to say pot. So, yes. Yeah. What drug would you like to deal for a living? Deal. Yes. Um. Probably pot. Yeah. Yes. Because then we're, in, I'd we're never going green today. Yes, we're going green. Yes. What drug would you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances? Well, I think I think also the thing with pot is that it, you know you can't die from it. You no. know, and I would hate I would hate to deal or be responsible for giving drugs to anybody that can cause death. Sure, sure. So there's a lot of there's a lot on the list now outside of pot, and contrary to some of the media reports. There's no fentanyl in the pot out there. That's a ridiculous thing that people are saying. It's not real. Uh, we're back to those days of, oh, you don't know what they're, they're, they're sprinkling in. You don't know what you're getting with it. Uh, you know, now the weeds has never been more pure and, uh, and, and, and quality, you know, certainly high, high uh, in THC content. But, you know, you're going to get yourself some weed that does not have fentanyl in it. But a lot of the other drugs, like you'd mentioned, you put yourself, uh, you know, we got a poison drug supply out there. And, uh, and speaking of, finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear River Phoenix say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> I think um, I would be really surprised if I went to heaven. <laughs> well, uh, yes. And kind of bummed out. I mean, I feel like heaven's really boring. No. Listen, like all the listen, fun people are a, in hell, you know. I hear you. Yeah. I, I certainly hear you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not about to condemn a young river phoenix to hell, but I will agree with you that if we're going on to heaven to hell, I'm probably likely in hell and most of the other party people are, I imagine. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes. So, you, so you'd have to say, well, River, I'd leave my diary behind with you in heaven and I'm going to hell. I'll see you later. Yes, yes, I'll see you. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Cunningham, here are your drug users. I love that is a first I've had people go, well, if heaven exists, like I don't believe in hell. I've had people, of course, question the existence, but I've never I've never yet to have someone say, well, I'm likely going to hell. So <laughs> this question doesn't apply to me. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, well, Ryan, listen, thank you so much for doing this. This was so fun. Uh, it's so good to reconnect with you. Uh, is there anything, uh, any, any plugs, anything I was missing? I, I kind of bl blazed through up top, but is there any, any social handles, any projects, any, anywhere you want to point to uh, the listeners? 
I'm at Ryan E. Cunningham on Instagram, and um, I directed a off-Broadway play that's running at Soho Playhouse um, until April 8th, as of right now. It's been extended through that date. Uh, it's called Sugar Daddy, and it's really fantastic. So if you're in New York City, and it will also be at Soho Theater in London from May 17th to the 20th, and we'll be back in um, at Soho Playhouse uh, June 14th to the 24th. Oh, hell Pride yeah. Month. Yeah. This show is, yeah. uh, I hear nothing but incredible things. It's one of those one of those that I wish I was uh, back in New York. Sometimes you miss being in New York. This show is one of them. So I would I would suggest people go check that out yeah. for sure. And yes. Um, uh, can I can I talk about something quickly before we please, leave? Please. Um, so I, uh, I, I had a, a, a minor opioid addiction um, when I was 23. I had a horrible... Um, a horrible, horrible thing happened um, in that I got a pulmonary embolism, um, which is a you know blood clot in your lungs, and it caused my right lung to collapse. I got it because I, I mean it was unbeknownst to me at the time, but after years of testing and things like that, they figured out that I have this weird um, uh, blood mutation. <laughs> um, I'm a mutant, um, but not like a fun one. Um, <laughs> Take that one to the X-Men. <laughs> when there's like, when I, when I, if I take um, like birth control or something, I have, uh, I'm 10 times more likely to get a blood clot. Damn. Um, and so that happened and it caused my lung to collapse. It was truly the worst pain I've ever had. And this was in 2003, I think. And, um, you know, at the time it was very much like, People don't have to be in pain. We'll just give you as much painkillers as you want. And they had me on a morphine drip um, for about two weeks. And then they weaned me off of that with Percocet and had me on Percocet. And um, it wasn't until uh, a few months later um, when I decided to go off Percocet. And I had truly the worst week of my life. Like it was it was horrible. And I was, um, just an absolute mess. And I was like, what is happening to me? And then I realized, oh, I think I may have been addicted to Percocet and didn't realize it. And it, it was, uh, like a very scary thing because I was, I mean, I think I took maybe like four or five a day or something like that. Um, you know, I mean, that's it wasn't a painful, like, that collapse long. Yeah. That's, that's a very painful situation. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like downing them. I was just like in a tremendous amount of pain. Um, and, uh, I was incredibly shocked by that and how much it affected me. And it, um, it's one of the things that really drew me to your project, you know, because I think that, um, it's so easy it to happen. <laughs> yes. You know? Um, and, uh, and I, and I think that that's, um, something that's just like really important to talk about. Now, let me ask you this. If it, <clears throat> sorry, if it's not prying too much now, when, when this happened, mm-hmm. did you feel like, what, what were your thoughts initially? Did you not want to tell people about it? Was there like, what, what, what was your, in terms of your, your support system or people that you'd reach out to saying, this is something that's, ha- you know what I mean? Because oftentimes I feel like it's compounded by then maybe feeling 
so you know not not open to to, to share being like hey I, I you know I, I developed a little bit of an addiction to this thing and I'm now coming back to the pain that I that I was in but also just some of the withdrawal and you know all that stuff was there you know did you want to share that with you what were your initial thoughts on that or feelings on that um I think I wasn't I wasn't like super into broadcasting like what was happening. Right. Um I did have a job um at the time. I, I it, this actually happened to me on the second day of I of this new job that I had. Um that I developed this blood clot and uh you know, I I was like not feeling well that morning, but I didn't want to call in sick to work on my second day of work and so I went in and by the middle of the day everyone was like, "What is wrong with you? There's something really wrong with you." <laughs> like you're obviously like uncomfortable and in pain and you know, and it wasn't until I went to the hospital that they were like, "Oh yeah, like your lung is collapsing yeah. and you know." You got one lung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um uh yeah, you know, my job had been so understanding and great um, about me, you know, this happening to me on the second day of the job, and then I couldn't come into work for like three weeks. And, um, you know, and I and I kind of had to take things slowly. And um, so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't I, I don't even think I, I really talked to anybody about it. It was just you know, a couple days into it, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why am I such a absolute mess? And I was like sweating and I had so much anxiety and everything was irritating the hell out of me. And, um, I was just an absolute mess and I, I, um, couldn't figure out what was going on. So, um, uh, yeah, I think I very much went through that on my own, um, and didn't, talk to people about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel, and you know, I'm not, not putting uh, words in your mouth. I, I do feel like that part of that just goes with like, that's just kind of falls under the category. I think hopefully a little bit less now than maybe, you know, than maybe then, but I think in a lot of circles, that's not, you know, it's still the same is that it just feels like it's one of those things you just don't talk, you know, it's, it's just, it's on the uh, do not, uh, do not discuss list. Uh, Especially because yeah, you're worried yeah. about getting fired or you're worried about like there's just all these circumstances that are just like, oh, man, if it was like anything else, you'd just be like, well, this is just a part of what what I was going through. And whether it was because of a, a collapsed lung that you were showing up to work with, which is like <laughs> incredible that you're even doing that in the first place. Uh, but I think like what, you know, whatever the reasoning is, it'd be like it should be something that you, that you should share. But I, but there's just yeah, there's that automatic. And I even had it. I love how you're like, oh, I wasn't into broadcasting. And I'm like, you mean like what I'm literally doing right now is broadcasting the use? But yeah, I mean, uh, and thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for sharing. 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time. Yeah. And I I even remember calling work from the hospital and I was on a morphine drip and saying to them, you know, I have my laptop with me. If there's anything you need, (laughs) I can do something. And and I think that. that's how I sounded in my head. But to them, they heard like, I have my laptop here. And if there's anything that you need me to do, you know, and they were just like, all right, you're fine. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, like, we're you're good. good. We're yeah. good. Yeah. All those morphine drips. Um, yes. Morphine drips are a pretty sweet thing, but they, they really are. Yeah, that, just that little button, now. man. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, 
Yeah, I mean that's well. Thank you again for sharing. That's that is uh, that is wonderful, and I think kind of that is the the hope is that there that you know there wouldn't just the default with that stuff wouldn't just be like oh I, I should probably head down keep this keep this one to myself. It could cause even more problems if I were to you know uh, to to because that that's the moment, and a lot of people talk about this regardless of, of how you came to it or, or or what it is. But that is with most like addictions is that it, there is that immediate once you make something secretive from what even if it's not like over even if it's not so secretive or someone's like did I catch you doing something you're like no even if it's just mentally you you compartmentalize into this secret place into this place of like well I'm not going to tell anyone about or you know anyone who's not sharing in this with me or whatever it's like yeah I, I've I've kept it from people that that I love casual you know coworkers friends whatever it is it's just like if you just don't talk about it. I'm like that's where it, it it could you know spiral. It's like it le- you leave it into in the shadows, and it, that's exactly where it could start to spiral. Um, so I think that's uh that is uh wonderful that you know you're sharing now. And I would s- say the same kind of thing is like just that's just the hope is that people would be like, hey, even if we've never talked about this, it's like just be in there for people to be like, yeah, even if it's just one other person, like you know, it doesn't even have to be everyone. That, that you don't be like, I have to broadcast this to work and and whatever, and. I have to, you know, uh, go down to the police station to 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 get them an Uber to, to to for them to Uber me to rehab. Uh, but like, uh, but what you know, yeah. whatever it is, like you have one other person. It's just it's just nice when you keep that shit to yourself. I know from experience too. It's like that's where that's where it goes. Yeah, to, it feels uh, to so lonely and scary, and yeah. it, it it really freak it really freaked me out. To this day, I won't let anyone prescribe me opioids, no matter how much pain yeah. I'm in, because I, yeah. I just I'm like. I don't trust it. You know? And 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot as much information available either. Like this is, you know, for the kids out there, this wasn't pre Google, really. but this was like yeah. pre a lot of, uh, a lot of free flowing information on the subject. You couldn't, you couldn't really get. So that's another thing yeah. too is yeah, just the yeah. unknown. And, you the know, unknown and, the, and the doctors that I was talking, like the pain specialists that I was speaking to in the hospital, they were just like, what do you need? What do you want? You know, like they, they were just like so willing to give it out and to up my dosage and, you know, do yeah. whatever. And I remember them actually having saying that, you know, the thinking on pain management has really changed and we no longer feel like people need to be in pain. And so we're they, so they said that they would, you know, give me anything that I needed. Yeah. It's funny. There's just like it, People just refuse for any sort of like nuance or any sort of like, you know, uh, personalized care. It's like everything. And, I, you know, I guess just because of whatever, uh, the way our litigious stuff and the for profit uh, system that we're in is like profits before people. So it's always hard to tell what the hell's going on. But I'm like, if you just think about personalized care, it's like that's that's the whole point. If you communicate with your doctor where it's like instead of just this, well, here's a chart and it's like. Mm, grumpy face to like smiley face what's your pain level like there were all those fucking things floating around uh and it's like yeah it just seems like you'd be like well that's just between the doctor and the person to to rather than just like oh we're just gonna make sure that yeah because what you're just saying is the culture of the the pharmaceutical companies coming into both the hospitals and the private practices and everything i mean they were pushing very hard for at that point for it uh but that's not to say that again like some people might not have actually needed it but just to be like, how, how, you know, what about a communication between doctor and patient where there's not like a farmer rep shoving fucking oxy, uh, you know, uh, pens and stuffed animals and, you know, uh, uh, branded uh, sweatshirts and whatnot at them at all times. It's like just decide what, what will be best. It's like, yeah, it, it was either like all or nothing. And now they're just cutting people off, which is another like rough thing for for chronic pain patients and everything else, because it's like all either one or, you know, it's just we, we just refuse to have any yeah. any sort of nuanced conversation when it I comes to anything. I just feel like. Really. 
you know, we, we grew up with it. Like my grandmother in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, you know, I, I have, I have drawings that I found from my childhood that I did at her place that I found as an adult and realized that they were on a, like a drawing pad that's labeled with Valium. <laughs> yes. The swag. The pharmaceutical swag. You know, like they were just like handing these things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we discovered that my grandmother, um, after like 50 years, her her doctor passed away and she could no longer get her prescription refilled. And it turns out she was on lithium for like 50 years. Good Lord. And yeah, which we're, we are like – how intensely severe is that? And it, and we think it, you know, it really led to her uh, dementia that she had later on in life. And yeah, yeah, you only knew when uh, when you went to the beach and she put on those shades and it just said lithium across the top of the of the sunglasses. <laughs> Good lord! And the cooler to to, to match. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. What a what a bizarre what a way where it's like just you know leave it to us to when you when you uh, yeah. With with uh, commodifying medicine, where you're like, no, this medicine will be needed or not needed. Uh, it's medicine, you know. Let's let's leave it at that. But it's like, no, it's hard sell. Yeah, everything. yeah. But like, don't you dare smoke pot. Yeah. Oh know? yeah. Do not touch the. No, yeah. Do not touch the. Pot. The, no, that's we'll have like uh, you know. I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> you know, like all yeah. those commercials and the dare to keep your kids off drugs and yep. everything that we was just like shoved down our throats yep. in. Uh, in eighties childhood in Pennsylvania. God, know? yeah, and 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 meanwhile, there's the uh, the Spuds McKenzie of OxyContin just out there selling, you know, selling hard to everybody at the same time. So mixed yeah. messages to say the least. Yes, exactly. Um, well, exactly. Ryan, thank you again so much for sharing. Um, I always yeah. appreciate when when guests are are open and honest like that. So uh, thank you so much, and I'm glad you 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 got it figured out. We're uh, we're you know, and uh, hopefully you know people taking it away. It's like just. Finding people that, uh, you know, that you care about. It's like uh, just the only thing I never tell anyone to do, you know, their own business. You know, you know, you better than uh, better than anyone else. But, you know, that idea of going to, uh, to yourself in, in a, into a into a darker place is where it goes to spiral. So, you know, hopefully hopefully people are there. And again, for the listeners, uh, there is help out there. Just call your local law enforcement and they will uh, <laughs> they will they will they come will, to your aid. They will. To wrap you off at the door to rehab, yes. <laughs> oh, bless them. Bless those blue angels. Aye, aye, aye. Well, Ryan, thank you yes. again so much for joining <laughs> us. Uh, I appreciate your time. Yes. And thank you, of course, as always, to the listeners for tuning in. This has been your Weekly Dose. Hey, America, the needle you are sleeping with your children, with your daughters, with your sons, and with your husband. Self-Medicated Weekly Dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by 15, courtesy of Jeff Ott and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production design by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the Self-Medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial 443-MK-ULTRA. All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Goodbye.